Mike, how about you uh, hit us with a live one? A, a live one? Yeah, what you do in every episode. <laughs> what we consume. Is nice. that what you wanted out of me? Yes. You, you, you bastard. Yes, dance for me, monkey. <laughs> ahoy, ahoy, and welcome to What We Consume, a show about all the things we put into our minds and bodies. I'm your host, King Hagathor, and with me as always is... Hey, it's me, Kevin. A little lethargic today. Worked hard. Been on the computer all day. Now I'm going to be on the computer more. It's okay. But I'm here for the fun. And joining us once again is our dear friend, Mike. It's me again, here to discuss what more of what we were already discussing, and then I'll be here never again. Speaking of what we were previously discussing, Kevin, how about you remind the audience what we talked about last week? <laughs> You're trying to set me up again, but we talked about the Filthy 15, and we went over all of the uh, songs that are a part of it, and we discussed if we liked the songs, if they were actually really dirty, and if they were, you know, filthy. And if there were 15 of them, because only Mike thought there was 14, even though there was 15, because he can't count. Yeah, I didn't. I did well in math, but forgot how to count since high school. Did you ever go back and listen to that uh, song, Strap On Robbie? No, I, I didn't, because I forgot the much. name of it, and I was like, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to uh, ask if you ever go back and like try to do math from high school. I'm like, no. Why? I don't know, because I, I I had to do like I already told you this, didn't I? Like when I I tried to do long division a couple of like weeks or months ago, and I like it was it didn't stump me or anything. I was just like, man, this is weird. Yeah, um, for the job I currently have, I had to take a uh, test, and part of it was math, and it was just go until you fail too much, and so I was just like, okay, addition, no problem, subtraction, no problem. Multiplication, yeah, that's fine. Division, uh, kind, of, yeah, I, I got it, I got it. And then it was like, all right, uh, algebra, and I was just like, fuck. What the thing is, once I like, w- once I look up like how to do it and stuff, my mind instantly remembers. It's just like my mind doesn't recall like instantly how I'm supposed to like work the problem out. Yeah, I, I wasn't good at math in high school either. <clears throat> uh, lot of terrible teachers and uh i also just found it boring anyways we're getting off topic so as kevin said we talked about the filthy 15 and we led up to just before the hearing this is not the first time music has upset people obviously most of us are aware that elvis famously shocked the nation with his dancing and his gyrating uh elvis the pelvis was so controversial many of his tv appearances were edited from the waist up And he was harassed by preachers, municipal governments, and the police on multiple occasions because he was just too damn sexy. His dancing was seen as too provocative and sexual, causing widespread panic by his opposition, mainly white suburban Christian parents. But the kids aided up and his popularity overshadowed the the backlash. The 60s saw folk singers like Woody Guthrie, Phil Ox, and... Bob Dylan singing subver- subversive songs like uh, Love Me, I'm a Liberal and All You Fascists Bound to Lose. And the first British invasion in 1964 had bands like the Beatles, Rolling Stones, and The Who just taking over America with their new brand of controversial lyrics, strong, loud instruments, and powerful, long ballads. And they were quickly followed by bands like Jefferson Airplane, later Jefferson Starship, singing songs with overt references to drug use and sexual content. 
The aforementioned bands continued to shock along with new arrivals like Creedence Clearwater, Black Sabbath, and Led Zeppelin with more controversial lyrics, anti-war messages, sex, drugs, and even occult references. When you become free, you end up having free music. You know, you can sing about whatever you want. America. Yeah, but I don't want my children listening to it. That's you, and that's your own right in America, Mike. Thank you for bringing up that point. But who's gonna tell me? Because I'm not a smart parent. I can't. <laughs> so you're you're expecting? Thanks for telling us on the podcast. All of I our friends the, are gonna send you texts when they listen. Not that I was. It was. This is a bit. I was just doing a bit. Mike's gonna give birth to Zephyr like Mary Toft. Oh Jesus. Uh, that would hurt a lot. <laughs> it would hurt everyone. <laughs> Just trying to get that primordial pouch out. Jesus. Uh, um, so anyways, that's obviously a very oversimplistic summary of the decades of music that scared old mom and dad. But if, but you'd think that people who had grown up with those controversies would see the ridiculous moral panics and by the 1980s would be, you know, done with this pearl clutching. But this is America, and we don't learn from history, so it was time to get upset again. So sometime between December 1984 and May 1985, Tipper Gore bought the soundtrack to Purple Rain for her 11-year-old daughter, and while listening to it, was shocked by the explicit lyrics of Darling Nikki. That's Tipper not Spring- that bad. Yeah. Tipper sprang into action, finding like-minded women in Washington, D.C. who had similar encounters where they were exposed to explicit lyrics in songs they didn't expect. Also, in that year, on January 3rd, 1985, Al Gore became a senator. Quite a meteoric rise. He was, you know, at 28 he was a congressman, and now he's like, you know, I guess 10 years later he's a senator. Should I run for office? Would you guys vote for me? Uh, depends on what your um, platform is. So just you wouldn't vote for me even if uh, it was a crazy platform and I'm your friend? That I'd is... vote for the platform, not on personality. You guys aren't real friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so they created the... Parental Music Resource Center, the PMRC, a nonprofit organization with the goal of spreading awareness to the musical landscape of the time. They held a meeting at a church in Washington, D.C. in May 1985 to discuss a rating system they should send to the record labels. X for profane or explicit lyrics, O for references to the occult, D slash A for drugs and alcohol, and V for violence. Or virginity. On May 31st. On May 31st, 1985, they sent their first letter to the Recording <laughs> Industry Association of America, the RIAA, with their proposal. The record companies were hesitant to agree to such terms and kind of shoot them off with, like, nah, nah, free speech, fuck off. So the PMRC started a media blitz that lasted all summer. They rallied against the quote-unquote dangers to children, the misogyny, the increase in violence and gang activity, and the increase in suicide rate among teens. All of this they blamed on music. When Kevin made that joke, I almost did press the cricket soundboard option <laughs> that I have now. I, I have I have a Mike's face blurred out because of the thing, mainly because I don't want to fall asleep and see that in my like burned in my eyes while I'm sleeping. Yeah, it'd make me far too horny. 
most of what they blame this on was the lyrical content of mainly the Filthy 15, but they do have some alternates that they throw in there. So while the PMRC and the Washington Wives waged war on the airwaves condemning the record companies for not complying with their demands, one man waged war on the PMRC. So while huge names like Prince, Madonna, and ACDC were named in the Filthy 15 and should have been outright denouncing this campaign, the only one who did was a man who was never previously mentioned in the fight, Frank Zappa. So Frank Zappa was born in Baltimore, Maryland in 1940, and he was a mainly self-taught musician, composer, and band leader. He'd had an impressive career starting in the late 50s, and by the time the PMRC started their campaign, Zappa had already had about 30-year career in music and was well-versed in the potential consequences of allowing the PMRC to run their campaign of what he considered censorship unopposed. Well, so why did no, I guess we'll get into this maybe, but why did no other artists like stand up for it? I mean, there's no, like, definitive answer, but, like, it's kind of a mystery, but the most decent possibilities is that, like, one, they were all just cowardly, not wanting to be seen as political, or just didn't want to be yelled at directly. But another possibility is they simply didn't believe that the campaign would really go anywhere, and staying out of it would be the easiest way to make it, like, suffocate in obscurity. Like, it's just like, oh, it's a bunch of, like, senators' wives, like, trying to, like, prove that they can do stuff too so like they just didn't take it seriously probably so it's that seems to be like the main consensus of why but i don't think there's ever been any actual uh statements from madonna or prince about it maybe there was that i missed i don't know so did so did I, I guess we'll get into this maybe as well. Did Frank save the day or did he stoke the fires and uh, make it worse? Uh, we will get into it, but uh, Frank definitely <clears throat> had an effect. Uh, Zappa appeared to be more aware or at least concerned about what this could mean to the industry as a whole and took up the fight himself standing toe-to-toe with whomever the PMRC sent, whether it was journalists, one of the Washington wives, or politicians themselves. Like, he was on nightly news he was on i think larry king and like those kind of things like usually video f- uh like like pretty much a video conference call where it'd be like him debating tipper gore or him debating susan baker or just whoever else they sent like and he he was pretty firm in his stance this is censorship this is bad this is an overreach like none of this is good and like they shouldn't like they shouldn't be pushing for this. So, is this like with a uh, Twitter right now? In, in what way? And it's the, the censors, censorship and stuff. So, like, I mean, isn't that what Twitter? Isn't that what uh, the people who are on Twitter are saying? Isn't that why they agree with Elon and they don't want censorship and they feel like it's infringing on their uh, freedom of speech? Wouldn't it be the same thing with music? If they're making they, the music on their own and selling it, you you have you don't have to buy it, but it's still my free speech. So wouldn't it be the same? Well, the thing with Twitter is also it's a private company, so they do have a terms of service. The, the thing the thing with CDs, it's also a private company and it's a terms of service. That's up to I. But I'm, I'm saying it's sure. it's still like free will, right? <clears throat> right, but. 
what's happening here is like they're trying to make like they're they're trying to oppress their speech in their songs whereas twitter was just saying you can't say that on our platform and then musk took it over and changed the rules which yes the people who side with musk tend to be oh this is like free speech we're free to like say what we want now typically it's hate speech but question if you were on would you be a part of a of twitter if there was like like a, a rating system to where like this is the speech that you get filtered into if it's like more adult or explicit or hate speech or you can like filter it out with the, like you get to pick like your censorship you can, already can do that you already kind of do that you can there's there's settings and stuff where you can like whitelist blacklist words uh, show like you have to do it yourself you in like whatever specific people you want to be part of like want to see tweets from or whatnot and like whatever you want to see trending you can block that or whatever like there those options are there it's just that you manually have to go in and do it okay so how would you feel if twitter censored you yourself like say you were like putting hate speech and stuff on there and they just like r-rated you or x-rated you like you were the worst so none of your content is getting out to like the masses unless you you, like subscribe to that do is it though you mostly just get suspended unless if it's like if it's strong enough to be like oh, that's very problematic that you will most likely get suspended or they'll ask you to delete the tweet. Um, but you, there's some stuff that slips through the cracks. Especially now, because a lot of the people who monitored that got fired. Correct. Oh, Let's move on. Just wondering, yeah. Just, just uh, it's on topic with censorship, right? Yeah, sure. It's It's related. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but yes, it is. They are both on topic of censorship. Despite Zappa's opposition, the RIAA first agreed to place parental advisory stickers on albums in August. But even still, a hearing with the United States Senate of Commerce, Technology, and Transportation Committee scheduled to take place on September 19th, 1985. Shit, I forgot to write down this guy's name. So there was this uh, senator from Missouri who was the chairman of this committee. uh, And he decided to hold this hearing. But his wife was one of the PMRC. So it's like kind of blatantly corrupt from the beginning. It'd be like if your wife was working for... Like if his wife was working for Raytheon and they were like, Hey, we we need to like hear him out about buying more missiles. Let's have a hearing. You know, like it's like the PMRC is a nonprofit lobbying group, just like Raytheon or not Raytheon, but uh, like the NRA or um, or PETA or whatever. Like, right. There's a conflict of interest there. Yeah, a pretty major one, like especially because like Al Gore's on the committee. His wife, Tipper Gore, is obviously part of the PMRC. Um, And I think one or two others like. They're members of the committee, and their wives are the ones, like, pushing for this. 
but like the PMRC claims they don't want any like actual legislation. They just want the record company to like do this on their own. Right. But why would they do it on their own if there wasn't any type of legislation? Yeah, see that's that's kind of the thing. Um and they'll argue like, well, movies did it and other stuff did it. Movies did it like so that there wouldn't be legislation. Like the threat of legislation is what caused them to do it. Here's the open like part of the opening statement by the uh, chairman to begin the hearing. I didn't copy all of it because it's pretty long-winded. So uh, the chairman says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this hearing is on the subject of the content of some, and I want to underscore the word some, not all, rock music, which it has, it has been pointed out by a number of people as having really broken new ground as to the content of music and the lyrics that are used in music. There have, I suppose, always been cases of songs that are suggestive in one way or another. However, certain rock song... Sorry, certain rock music that is now being sold deals very explicitly with sexual subjects. Some music glorifies violence in various forms, sexual violence. Some music advocates for the use of drugs, drug abuse, and so on. And so on, the reason for this hearing is not to promote any legislation. Indeed, I do not know of any suggestion that any legislation to be passed, but to simply provide a forum from airing the issue itself, for ventilating the issue for bringing it out into the public domain. The concern is that the public at large should be aware of the existence of this kind of music and the fact that it is now available to kids and that kids of all ages are able to buy it. So that's roughly his opening statement. Okay. Which, yeah. All right. So the first speaker, or I guess witness, or testimonial, comes from a senator from Florida, Paula Hawkins. So, uh, Senator Hawkins says, I command, uh, I commend you, Mr. Chairman and the committee for holding this all important meeting as chairman of the children, family, drugs, and alcoholism subcommittee. This is a subject that I am very familiar with. The wealth of a nation is measured by its children. We decided as a committee in the last 18 months to hold hearings discussing the role of the media in drug abuse and prevention and education. There we learned that by the fourth grade, children have already decided whether or not to take drugs. We ask the question, does the media behave responsibly in portraying values to our children? Where did they, get, where, where did they get that those stats from? Doesn't cite it. Doesn't, <laughs> there's no... Okay. So it made yeah, it, I, she I, made it up. Citation needed for the fourth grade where, Mark, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like that Metal, Gore, Metal Gear Rising meme where it's like, Senator, where'd you get that information from? And he's like, I made it up. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. My sources that I made it the fuck up. I don't even think I knew about drugs in the fourth grade. Like, I did because they like bring in these fucking dare meetings or whatever, and it's just like, so now I know about drugs, and you're saying it can make me see like pretty pictures and shit I can't see <laughs> normally. Like, are you sure I can't take this? I'm pretty sure we I, had some type of dare and stuff, but I don't remember like any I of that at all. It. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, like, weren't those, like, the ones where, like, guys would, like, come in and, like, tear a, a damn, like, phone book in half? I, they, had, they had I've, a lot of uh, various um, ways you, of reaching You can't do this on drugs. And <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, they, phone book. 
They were also the ones that were like, this is your brain and it's an egg. And it's like, this is your brain on drugs. And then smashing it with a frying pan and shit. Like, they were all over the map. And it turns out that D.A.R.E. like actually, like, people who were exposed to the D.A.R.E. program ended up being more likely to uh, <laughs> consume drugs. Yeah, the the if I see someone wearing a D.A.R.E. shirt, I assume they most likely do at least, like, smoke pot or something. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, they don't wear it because... They actually don't believe in yeah. whatever. Um, no, no. Do you think sure. they wear it ironically? That is what yeah. I was saying, yeah. Uh, so Hawkins then presented three album covers as her el- opening salvo against the so-called porn rock. Uh, so I've got those here. Um, porn rock's interesting. Let's see here. The first one. Are we talking about like Steel Panther, aren't we? Where'd you send it at in Discord? Uh, to the recording time. Oh, recording time. Uh, I don't know if I can see text and record. Hold on now. There's probably a you way. Had, you, added a, you added a new thing that I was not ready for. <laughs> I added an X Factor. Can, can you just post it in general? <laughs> oh, uh, it's an inbox. Okay. Word. Okay. No, no it's, it's not. not. I was just, just clicking put, it. Put it in, put it in oh, general. show chat. Hit show chat at the top Wait. right. Oh my god, King, you added a whole nother... Is this a 9-11 joke? No, uh, <laughs> this is in 1985. So, uh, Mike, you want to go ahead and describe it? So, it's Def Leppard's album cover for Pyromania, I assume, unless it's a single cover. Correct. Um, and it is a very tall building, I assume a tall building, with an explosion and flames coming out of it. So that's kind of why I likened it. I'm just saying Def Leppard predicted 9-11. No, yeah, and and it, like also the perspective is like through like a sniper scope or like uh, yeah that is true crosshairs it, at least it reminds me of the arcade games that they used to have in like the eighties or nineties and stuff when Where you would people go would in pop up and you'd blast them. yeah yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah. The on the rail shooters yeah that's what it reminds them, like, me of time crisis or whatever yeah yeah uh, it's it it does feel very similar to that um, but this is like her one of her first examples of like how dangerous this music is because that's like overtly offensive i guess like it it seems to be glorifying terrorism or arson at least and this is this is before like long before 9-11 long before like school shootings were really a big thing so like this is just kind of out there like I mean, do, do you, why do you think it's glorifying? Well, that, that's what they're claiming. Oh, that's uh, what the, they... Well, okay, I thought that's what you were saying. Like, they... No, okay. no. I I mean, I think it's just supposed to be, you know, like, explosions are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of, like, those classic, like, NES or Jaguar or Sega video game covers where it looks cool as shit on the cover, but you get some shitty-ass game that, that <laughs> plays worth dick. Yeah. There was a lot of those or, back then. Or in this case, Death Leopard music. Or Death Leopard music. What, what's worse? Yeah. Okay, uh, so we'll move on to the next one. Uh, I'm sending it the same way, so hopefully you guys get this I'm one. just leaving I it up. I have left open, so... Right. Ooh... Mad Max, basically. That's yeah, Kevin, of. go ahead and describe this one. Uh, it's a woman 
with like I want like she's basically in a bikini, but it's not a bikini. It looks like it's like a tank, like a like a torn wife beater, but it's close to her boobies, like really brought in. And then she has a the bottom is like a it's like a chastity belt bikini thing. Like it reminds me of what what is that like Robin Hood movie to where they like needed the key to get in. Uh, men in tights. That that's the one that I'm thinking of, but it, it's a lot. This one's a lot more sexy. Then you got some fire in the back. Yeah, uh, this is uh, the cover for Wow, which is Wendy O. Williams' record. Um, and yeah, she like it, it's very Mad Max esque. Uh, that that bottom chastity belt thing almost looks like a fucking cheese grater. So like it's <laughs> it's got this like danger sex appeal. Yeah, um, I guess she kind of got like the black thing on her like neck and chest is kind of like bondagey. It's like dummy yeah. mommy shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, like this was one of their examples of misogyny in metal, which metal has a huge problem with misogyny, especially at this time. But like it's her dressing up herself for her own music, like it, like it, it's not really misogyny it's it's sexual in nature but like i don't see how this is misogynistic i mean you could say maybe she didn't wasn't maybe she was made to kind of make this to sell her music that way but i don't don't know because i don't really listen to her so i don't know what her opinions are because you like some i would say in some cases they probably were more made probably to dress that way to kind of sell it but you never know at least for one concert, she uh, she also had her hair up in a huge mohawk. Looks oh, badass. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see a problem with this one. I think they're just mad because sexy lady and therefore, like, evil. But, like, she is fully covered. Like, she's, she's not bearing any more skin than, like, an actual swimsuit. But what? because of the harness, because of the fire, like, it's yeah. got this, like, it's got this extra, like insinuation that like makes them oh yeah but i can't see her ankles though true but it's also like the 80s and like workout videos and if you go to the beach and stuff they were wearing like you know string thongs and all of this like the the work like the the workout videos of the like women in their um like workout clothes was basically like a thong with like a top leotard like in the in the eighties and stuff, so I don't see like any like this is better than that. Again, it seems like pearl clutching to me. All right, Mike, I'm gonna have you go ahead and describe this one because I know, I know you know what this is. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, it's it's <laughs> so it is a gentleman with his wearing a cod piece with his saw blade in it. I hate it because it's Wasp, and it's the Fuck Like a Beast song. I guess it's the singles out artwork, and, uh, you know, just... Oh, there's also blood coming off of, like, his hands and all that. Yeah, so... but it's, like, grenadine-colored blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, his yeah. cod piece is, like, tiger-striped. Uh, it's got Fuck Like a Beast written on it. He's uh, very cleverly covering the U and fuck with his finger. He's also wearing, like, tights, which... Well, yeah, he is. Like, a low-res version of this, like, it's hard to tell that it's a man. Like, 
but like if you look up top there is like some belly hair so it's like probably well maybe but, he was um, going for like half man half beast I mean, it's more just, like, 80s hair metal was, like, both, like, a top-tier masculinity and the gayest shit you have ever seen, <laughs> like... So, like the, the movie Heavy Metal was out by this time. Uh, uh you, like, the uh, animated Heavy yeah. Metal? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I want to say it came out in 80 or 79. 82, or 81. Oh, it was 81, okay. Yeah, I, just don't, uh, I don't get the saw blade. Like, if it's supposed to be about a beast, where's the saw blade come from? Yeah, and also like it, it's not entirely clear if like he he's gonna tear that pussy up or like if he's just had a horrible accident because he tried to fuck a saw blade because he's just so horny, you know? Like, it's it's very absurd. Uh, he wasn't wearing his safety glasses, and the blade broke off. And, there you go. That, that's what yeah that, that's uh that's definitely an osha violation for sure you should definitely always wear safety glasses those guys if you don't want anything to get in your eyes yeah Keep you only get two of them. all right so so those are the three album covers that they bring to this fucking clown circus but but those are their examples of like look at how like hateful and violent and like sexually evil this music is uh the thing about that though is like this is supposed to be about the lyrical content correct album covers are not lyrics well the wa- and also, the wasp one it definitely has got some lyrics yeah mm. that's the well, only it's one just i got have the, a problem with it's just got the title of the song but at the same time like they're they're talking about how like songs like Darling Nikki don't explicitly let you, or like the album cover of uh, Purple Rain don't explicitly like warn you that there's going to be explicit lyrics on it. Whereas if you see the album cover for Wasp or Pyromania, like you know that like there's a pretty good chance there's going to be something offensive on there. Like so, if you're buying that for your 11 year old daughter, I got a lot more questions. Let be honest, if you true. saw the album cover for Wasp and you're like, that's sick and bought it, you you probably need to go speak to a therapist. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, but in any case, like, like that that's part of the reason, like, I just find that the PMRC's whole campaign is kind of full of shit. Like, they, like, they, they started with... I believe good intentions. Like I it's understandable to want to know like what your like what your children are buying or what you're buying for your children. But then you pull out this shit and like this isn't like furthering your goal. It's just it's just moral panic fear mongering. Yeah, they were trying to they were definitely trying to fear monger and then like I think they were trying to go for more than uh like they were taking they were taking a mile rather than like being okay with their inch yeah and also like wasp is the only one out of those three that's even on the filthy 15 so like you like how how many songs are you gonna cry about yeah death leopards on there not pyromania but i don't yeah i i don't think the song that was on there was on pyromania but i could be wrong 
So, anyways, uh, Hawkins is then followed by Susan Baker, one of the founding members of the PMRC. She's accompanied by the other three founding members, Pam Hauer, Sally Nivius, and Tipper Gore. So, uh, Susan Baker says, quote, Because anything that we are exposed to that much has some influence on us, but we believe that the music industry has a special responsibility as the message of songs goes from the suggestive to the blatantly explicit. As Ellie Goodman stated in a recent column, Rock's, uh, rock ratings, quote, The outrageous edge of rock and roll has shifted its focus from Elvis's pelvis to the saw protruding from Blackie Lawless's codpiece on the Wasp album. Rock lyrics have turned from, quote, I can't get no satisfaction to, quote, I'm going to force you at gunpoint to eat me alive. And then she goes on, The material we are concerned about cannot be compared with Louie Louie, Cole Porter, Billie Holiday, etc., Cole Porter's The Birds Do It, The Bees Do It can hardly be compared with Wasp's F-U-C-K like a beast. There is a new element of vulgarity and violence towards women that is unprecedented. She then goes on to claim that Suicide Solution by Ozzy Osbourne, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, and ACDC's Shoot to Thrill are all songs glorifying suicide. Not sure how that works. Because Suicide yeah. Solution is about the, like in like how dangerous alcohol is because it's slowly poisoning you and will eventually kill you if you consume it like it's a warning about alcohol like solution as in like a liquid solution they did not do their homework i don't think these guys ever listened to maxwell's silver hammer by the beatles yeah or that song like she's only 17 if you know what i mean like or or that song where elvis is trying to fuck his girlfriend's little sister like yeah there's a lot of stuff that, like, they're just blatantly ignoring because, like, they know, like, we can't do the same moral panic that they did because we lived through that and we were on the opposite side then. But now it's bad. Yeah, and they obviously just didn't, like, they didn't do proper research. They were just like, we have problems with this, this, and this. Let me just, like, say it. It doesn't seem like they, I don't know. It, it what you just said doesn't seem very well researched or thought out, like a thought out, like a argument. Yeah, Not- like most of these, it just feels like they saw something that would get a catchy headline and threw it in there. Like Blue Oyster Colts, "Don't Fear the Reaper." Uh, I haven't listened to that song in a while, and I can't t- tell you what the lyrics are fully about. But I can't, like, I definitely don't feel like it's glorifying suicide. And like I already told you, Suicide Solution is not glorifying suicide. And ACDC's Shoot to Thrill, I don't even remember what that song's about because I never really listened to ACDC for the lyrics except for Big Balls because that's funny. <laughs> when I, I was 13 and into ACDC. The one thing with this is it, it happens, it's every generation. It, it's it's like your parents are telling you like, I did this, and I don't want you to be doing this because I've already lived through it, and then it's going to happen with our generation at some point when it comes to some other new media, and it's it, it's just a, it's a nice little circle. It's a, it's a good one, not really a good one. It's just really annoying. Yeah, and it's not even like every generation. Like if it was every thirty years, okay, that's something. But it's like every decade. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, to your point, yeah, that's... I just say generation, just because... Right, but, like, I, I'm agreeing with you, but going further, like, it's even more constant. Like, it's just, something has to be in the news to make 
certain people piss their pants. You know, like, and it's always just, like, something that's, like, inherently kind of silly. So, her statement continues to rattle off examples of songs they claim are in some way a danger to children. Uh, Susan then introduces Tipper Gore, who reads off their suggestions of what should be done about the music without legislation. Uh, as stated before, they wanted a rating system or a warning of explicit lyrics on every album self-policed by the record companies. Which is, I think, like, a pretty reasonable demand. Like, I, I understand why, like, the artists wouldn't want that, because, like, that could hurt sales, that could, like, brand them in a certain light. Right, just for if it's only like one or two songs that might have like ex- some explicit lyrics to it, then the whole album slapped with that label. Right, and the other problem is like who gets to decide? Like if you have a preacher getting to decide, he's gonna be like slapping that shit all over every place. Well, he's not too busy with you know the kid in his basement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's slapping. Oh, oh, those child. are Catholics. Yeah. That's not preachers. It's not just Catholics. Whoa, it's Catholics. (laughs) Um, But on the other hand, like, if you have, you know, like, some shithead like Blackie Lawless, you're going to get, like, three albums a year, and it's all going to be, like, ironically, like, Christian hymns or some shit. Like, parental guidance, you know, like, who gets to decide and what makes them qualified to decide which lyrics are you know, quote-unquote dangerous. Because I guarantee it's never going to be scientists. You would have to get a committee, and then the committee would have to get together, and then you would have to vote, and then they would have to be unanimous, and they would take time, and it would take like 20 years to get all of the words, and then the new generations would create new words, and then you have to figure out them, and, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty Herculean task. However, it pales in comparison to what their next solution was, which was to have the lyrics to every song on every album be available at every record store or just store that sells records. Like, do you have any idea how much fucking paper that would be? That would turn every store that sells records into a fucking library, not to mention a fire hazard. Like, there would be so many pages upon pages upon pages like just books you gotta buy a book with your cd yeah just to go along with a cassette yeah you gotta buy a book with your cassette oh which some people today that'd be kind of cool like oh you get this cool limited pressed lyric booklet that we made well i mean they do do they do do that today but it's like optional and you pay extra like it's not like oh everybody has to do this yeah, it would also be incredibly expensive. Like, not just, like, the amount of, like, paper that would be needed for this, but somebody would have to type all this shit up. They would have to, you know, like, conform it to, like, fit uh, Honestly, in, in, like, as minimal space as possible while still being legible. Like, it, Hey, man, that's creating jobs. Dude, <laughs> it's, a huge, it's a huge test. To be honest, thinking about this, like, in the 80s, I bet a lot of people would have actually liked that a more more often than not because think about like how they were listening to like songs and stuff like they would have to play it over and over again or if it was on the radio you would have to like listen you would have to like catch it like once or twice a day on the radio to like learn the lyrics when you could just like go down to like that out like a you know a store and like read it 
Yeah, but at the same time, like, 30-some percent of people don't even listen to the lyrics, like, don't even know the lyrics or even know what the song is about, because it's more about the music than the lyrics. Also, you'd have to do that for every artist, every album, every song, and... Well, I'm not saying it's not stupid. I'm just saying that I I could see a lot of people enjoying it just in the 80s. Now it's stupid because we have the internet. Yeah, they would. They just need like some tablet that they can like look up a song on, and it just tells all the information for or something. Yeah, it fits right in your hand. Um. Yeah. So, um, that's a, quite the task. Uh, they also claim that quote unquote voluntary rating is not censorship. But this isn't really voluntary. Like, it's voluntary at gunpoint. It's voluntold. Like, do this or, like, we will start seeking legislation or some shit. Like, it's not like they're just going to go away if, like, the record company stands firm and says no. Like, they're going to, like, find a way to force them. And therefore, it's not voluntary. Yeah, and it's not like one record. Like, you got to get all the record companies, like, on board, like... If you if it was just one record company that owned everything, that might be a little bit easier. But there's so many record companies and so many like different people that it would be involved to have to get get this. Yeah, and you that's mean, just do you for think American. Def Jam would want to fucking do that? <laughs> no. So um, there'd be some then cool they, songs uh, to come out of it though. What if like Ice Cube and all of them came up at that time? Like, could you think about the songs that they would sing about, like, the them trying to censor them? Oh, there's there's plenty. Trust me. Yeah, this this went on into, like, the 90s. And oh. NWA and all that was around, up, up, around it's, that it was time. It part of this? Yeah. yeah I, well, it, it, it's like a part two to this. Like, this is where it's, like, mainly white people complaining about white musicians. Yeah. Uh, then, like, after this is over, like, when things start dying down, suddenly, like, everyone turns their focus on rap with, like, Ice-T getting the first uh, hip-hop album stuck with the explicit lyrics sticker. Uh, yeah, and, like, we'll get to that in the aftermath. But, um, so next they have on another PMRC member, Jeff Ling. I can't, uh, like, I, I think he was a so-called expert in some area, but I can't, I forgot to write it down and I don't really give a shit. Uh, but he, he comes out with a slideshow to prevent more, or to present more quote-unquote evidence, where he mistitles Metallica's song Fade to Black as Faith in Black. <laughs> that just and then discredits he, he you, needed like, that automatically. Yeah. He needed that sheet of paper to tell him how this spelled. <laughs> right, yeah. He needed the lyrics with him. Uh, he then starts rattling off statistics about teen suicide and instances of teenagers killing themselves while listening to mostly ACDC, which is just, <laughs> like, cherry-picking. Um, how many... Is that an actual statistic? Do we have a statistic of how many people... How many children killed themselves listening to ACDC? No, they just found two <laughs> examples and were like, Look, look, see, see? Um, and then they, they don't also... specifically correlate with each other. It's just of that time. It was a lot of stuff was sky like skyrocketing, and it just happened to be that also they were listening to this music. So that's what we're going to put the blame on, and not society itself or whatever was going on. Yeah, they would also throw in shit like 
quote-unquote satanic murders where, like, a drug dealer killed a guy who ripped him off while wearing an ACDC shirt and high on PCP. And they're like, well, this is clearly a satanic murder. It's ACDC's Not the PCP first. (laughs) Not the drugs or anything else. And then he reads off some more choice uh, song lyrics. He also offhandedly mentions that Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, was a fan of ACDC. Like, they're just throwing any shit at the wall at this point. Um, Then they start getting into the really obscure shit, like, from lesser-known bands that were released independently. Like, they're just throwing fucking anything out there. And he assures the audience that, like, these independent bands are still, like, relevant because they can still be bought at local record stores. But it's just, like, anything that could possibly be considered negative and associated with, like, mainly metal uh, or, like, rock in general, like, they're throwing it out there. Man, could you imagine if Bad Company released their album back in the 80s and Timothy McVeigh? Yeah. With the song Bad, Bad Company? <laughs> off of their album Bad Company. Yeah. And Timothy McVeigh is that—that's the Oklahoma City bomber guy, right? Yes. Could you imagine if that had happened in the '80s and they would just throw fucking already bad company under the bus because oh he liked that song a lot? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we get to their uh, so so like that's the um, I guess the like I mean it's not a trial but like that'd be like the prosecution side of things like the people who are on the side of the PMRC. That was their, like, big thing. And so now we get the defenders of the music, and we start with Frank Zappa. Like I said, he'd had a pretty storied career at this point. I think overall, like, over the entirety of his career, he released over 85 albums. Like, the dude was prolific. But, like, he comes in, he's wearing a suit, he's got, like, his hair pretty uh, neatly, like, combed and probably cut. He he looks very presentable and... uh, he comes in with his lawyer, which is kind of funny because, like, there's literally no reason to have his lawyer there. It's just, like, like, but, but like, I think he did it as, like, a show of, like, all right, if we're on trial, we're going to do this properly. Yeah, it's a show, uh, it's a show of strength as well. Like, we're, I'm taking this serious. Right. So, uh, he, he sits down accompanied by his lawyer and immediately puts the hearing on edge, uh, cause he had, he had sent them all a hundred copies of of his five-page prepared statement, and then starts asking questions they weren't ready to answer. Like, he asks if they're planning to make legislation. Because, like, up top they said no, but then, like, there's been some, like, mentions of, like, oh, well, maybe we should, like, do some legislation. He's like, all right, so are you guys trying to do legislation or not? Because it's going to change my statement a little bit if you do. Like, uh, one way or the other. And they're just like, uh, we're, we're not going to tell you that because we can't, really say for certain and he's just like all right well this is fucking (laughs) all right i'll I'll do what i can if it'll help you out in your testimony uh i might join senator hollings and or others in some kind of legislation and or regulation unless the free enterprise system uh both the producers and you as the performers uh see fit to clean up your act okay thank you then okay so that's hardly voluntary uh, first thing I would like to do, because I know there is some foreign press involved here, and they might not n- understand what the uh, issue is about. One of the things the issue is about is the, the uh, First Amendment to the Constitution. 
and I, it's short, and I'd like to read it so they will understand. It says, Congress shall make no, no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's for reference. These are my personal observations and opinions. I speak on behalf of no group or professional organization. The PMRC proposal is an ill-conceived piece of nonsense which fails to deliver any real benefits to children, infringes the civil liberties of people who are not children, and promises to keep the courts busy for years dealing with the interpretational and enforcemental problems inherent in the proposal's design. It is my understanding that, in law, First Amendment issues are decided with a preference for the least restrictive alternative. In this context, the PMRC demands are the equivalent of treating dandruff by decapitation. No one has forced Mrs. Baker or Mrs. Gore to bring Prince or Sheena Easton into their homes. Thanks to the Constitution, they are free to buy other forms of music for their children. Apparently, they insist on purchasing the works of contemporary recording artists in order to support a personal illusion of aerobic sophistication. Ladies, please be advised, the 898 purchase price does not entitle you to a kiss on the foot from the composer or performer in exchange for a spin on the family Victrola. Taken as a whole, the complete list of PMRC demands reads like an instruction manual for some sinister kind of toilet training program to housebreak all composers and performers because of the lyrics of a few. Ladies, how dare you? He, he's got a point. Like, it's... We're not... They're not... The artist isn't there to, like, kiss up to them and, like, like this, this is good stuff for you or whatever, you know, it... Yeah, if you're buying the record, it's on you to know what, or like to, like decide whether that record's right for you. Now, like Zappa just comes out throwing haymakers that they like did not seem very prepared for, and they get pretty upset about it. Yeah, I don't think they were ready for someone to be that ready for them. And then he like when he used the, um, it's like them treating head lice. Like decapitation, dandruff, and like decapitation. Yeah, and people uh, laughed and stuff. Like, I, I think it showed like how serious one, how serious he was taken, and two, how like kind of dumb that their uh, their argument was. Yeah, he he's taking it serious, but he's also like having a little bit of fun with it. Like bringing up that example. Uh, he also later brings up like. Um, if this is what the Washington wives are doing now, like what if the next group of Washington wives wants like a, a little sticker of a J on any uh, media that's produced by or produced or like composed or written or performed by Jewish people so that like because like ooh the scary, you know, Zionist dogma or whatever. And that's like kind of getting into Godwin's law. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that. I know the name. I don't really know the whole specific specific. So that's to it. that's it's basically like an internet quote unquote law that like in the same way of like Newton's uh, gravity laws, you know, like or like laws of perpetual motion, like that sort of thing. But it's uh, essentially if if an argument on the internet goes on long enough, it's like the chances of it devolving into like bringing up Hitler is like reaches closer to zero the longer it goes on right like and that's a very paraphrased and not very well paraphrased version of it but 
I get what you mean. But he is right to bring it up here because, like, yes, it sounds ridiculous that anyone would, you know, like, specifically target Jewish people in that way in America in the 1980s. But, like, they are targeting a religion in this. Like, they're, they want a symbol for a cult on albums if it has occult stuff. Like, there are pagans, there are Satanists, there are Wiccans. Like, these are, like, and who's deciding this is, like, a mainly Christian audience. And, like, remember, like, 15 years later, we're gonna be doing the same thing to the Muslims. Like, like, Islam was heavily, like, ostracized in the early 2000s because of 9-11. Right. Like, this shit is, like, it, this shit is not without precedent, and it's not without, you know, like, further examples. It's not as ridiculous as people make it out to be. Now, people do tend to bring up Nazi stuff a lot, or, like, fascism a lot, and sometimes it's warranted and sometimes it's not. But in this case, he does have a point. It's kind of hyperbole, but it, it is a point. He also brings up why they're actually here. Which is the blank, di uh, sorry, the blank tape tax. So while this was going on, the record companies were trying to lobby a deal to essentially change how much, like they wanted to have a, a extra tax on blank tapes because people were burning tapes. Well, I'm not sure if that's... They were re-recording using, like, VHSs to re-record movies off a of TV or uh, record songs off the radio or, like, there were um, boom boxes that had multiple cassette um, slots so that you could record from one to another and essentially, like, make copies like or something. Like burning CDs yeah, and stuff burning like that. CDs or mm -hmm. illegally right. downloading, like, Napster and... Uh, Frostbite and LimeWire and stuff, how like how that all happened, but it was just like a more analog way. Right. And at this point, they like the record companies wanted to lobby a tax through Congress for any blank tapes made and sold because uh, like this thing existed. And they wanted like a cent per minute of tape, which like a tape is like what? 90 minutes maybe at this point like at least an hour so that's like 60 to 90 cents per tape that would be going to the record companies that's that's actually that's a big tax yeah yeah that's a, that's a lot that's for huge. at least the 80s yeah oh, yeah and, and even and, now that's that's huge like that's a huge tax yeah they also wanted like something else for like the actual like boom boxes that could record like from one to another uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, like, they wanted a royalty for every every one of those sold. Like, this was a big deal, but nobody was paying attention to that because they were all paying attention to, to this. So Frank Zappa brought that up to, like, make sure people were aware. Like, it's somewhat conspiratorial, but, like, there there is the possibility that, like, the record companies were like, look, we will, like, you know, concede to your wives' demands, but when this comes up, we want you to, like, have our backs. Yeah, that... I wonder if they... That's sketchy. That All of that's, like, bad. 
<laughs> yeah. It's, did like, that tax come to pass, like, at all? No. I don't believe so. They tried it. Um, yeah, they they uh, they wanted um, they wanted a royalty of 2% for the initial transfer price for devices and 3% for media. Um, it would just tank. It would, like, that would have literally, like, tanked, like, a lot of... Uh, companies to be honest like it would have and like it would have made it would have made people really mad about getting taxed even more because those companies would have taxed them more most likely to like or done something to like compensate for that price yeah Yeah, and 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 the public would have suffered because like if every cd or, or sorry if every cassette tape at this point is suddenly more expensive like that hurts the consumer as well so this would have been very unpopular but you know if you lobby in the right way you can get some of that passed and if people are distracted by talking about darling nikki and blackie lawless's cod piece like they're not going to be thinking about like fucking tax law so it's yeah it's kind of insidious so decent movie i wonder i wonder if the record companies like were kind of all in on it they would have like they i'm, I'm I sure mean, there I, was at least a couple like warner brothers would probably be in on it yeah or like cbs or like yeah. empire records like uh well were they around yet Dumb not sure but yeah like the the big ones uh would have been in on it for this to like matter and since they were lobbying for it yeah i'd say they were in on it um Anyways, people and money's disgusting. There's no way they were like hurting for like money either back then. They were all like all those companies were super rich. Yeah, they were already ripping off all their artists and shit. (laughs) Think of the artist. Well, it's not about the artist. It's about the company. I I know it's not, but I'm sure that's that's what happened with like the LimeWire and stuff. Like, think of. Fucking the drummer to Metallica, he couldn't afford a new swimming pool because everyone was stealing his music online. Yeah, South Park made fun of that. It's 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 all like it's all so cyclical. So um yeah, so Frank Frank Zappa comes out throwing haymakers. Uh he he does a very good job of representing music, and he does concede that like if they could find a way, like he admits it'll cost money, but if they could find a way to print the lyrics uh like in the sleeve of the uh cassette tapes or whatever like that would be like like he'd be fine with that like he admits it would cost money and also it's very difficult because albums and lyrics are uh not held by the same companies like the record labels hold the albums but it's the publishing companies that hold the lyrics so there would have to be some deals made to uh, get that all sorted out. Um, but anyways, Zappa does a very good job of representing um, the music side of things. And then the next person they get, can you guess, Kevin? It's one of the most wholesome people uh, in music, I think. Most wholesome people in I already music. forgot his dang name. Mr. Sunshine on his shoulders, John Denver. That's his oh, name. I have no idea who that is. I'm going to be honest. What? 
What does John Denver sing? Country Rock. roads. That's him. Take me home. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Rocky that was Mountain him. High. I know the songs. I just don't know him. I, I can't believe you didn't know that name. I didn't mean to All clap right. during that. But. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so this one we're starting at 16. Honorable chairman, members of the committee, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great honor and a privilege to, be, to appear before you this morning and to take advantage of the opportunity given me in our free society to speak my mind, to give voice to my opinions in a public forum in front of not only the leadership of our great country, but the press and the media, and through them all who might be listening around our country and around the world. I'm here to address the issue of a possible rating system in the recording industry, labeling records where excesses of explicit sex or graphic violence have occurred, and furthermore, references to drugs and alcohol or the occult are included in the lyrics. These hearings have been called to determine whether or not the government should intervene to enforce this practice. Mr. Chairman, this would approach censorship. May I be very clear that I am strongly opposed to censorship of any kind in our society or anywhere else in the world. I've had in my experience two encounters with a sort of censorship. Uh, my song, Rocky Mountain High, was banned from many radio stations uh, as a drug-related song. This was obviously done by people who'd never seen or been to the Rocky Mountains and also had never experienced the elation, the celebration of life, or the joy in living that one feels when he observes something as wondrous as the Perseid meteor shower. On a moonless and cloudless night when there are so many stars that you have a shadow from the starlight. And you're out camping with your friends, your best friends, and introducing them to one of nature's most spectacular light shows for the very first time. Obviously a clear case of misinterpretation. And Mr. Chairman, what assurance have I that any national panel to review my music would make any better judgment? To my knowledge, my movie, Oh God, was not banned in any theaters. However, some newspapers refused to print our advertisements and some theaters refused to put the name of the film in the marquee. I don't believe that we were using the name of our Lord in vain. Quite the opposite, we were making a small effort to spread his message that we are here for each other and not against each other. I agree with him wholeheartedly. He makes a great <laughs> just, point. Like, nobody knew what John Denver was going to say, so Frank Zappa and um, uh, D. Schneider were just, like, off in the, uh, like, in the, like, room off to the side and they were just like holy shit john denver's on our side because <laughs> like, because like it it seems pretty clear to me that they brought john denver on so that he would shit on like these you know like unwholesome rock bands and whatnot but he just doesn't like he he comes out and he's just like this is censorship that's fucked up like uh, i'm not part of it i mean obviously he said it in a more wholesome way than i did but uh you guys ever go hiking <laughs> <laughs> that tangent he goes on about the hiking like he pauses a couple times and it's like all right that's the end of the tangent and then like he just continues to describe it it's just like where are we going with this it made me want to go camping with the boys to be honest yeah yeah the rocky mountains sound beautiful we should we should all go <laughs> john denver has the shortest of any of the um testimonies because uh he actually had to leave to go interview at nasa to be the first citizen in space <laughs> like, wow. that's that's how like wholesome and like perfect and well-known john denver was at the time do you know what like mike did you know that like from watching it 
No. Uh, oh. I know very little about John Denver other than this, his hearing and the song Country Roads really is about as much as I know about him. So the space flight he was going to be on was the Challenger. Oh, fuck. He got beaten out by the school teacher and the Challenger went up and blew up on liftoff. Yeah. Killing everyone on board. Well, so, can you imagine? I mean, I'm glad it didn't. I mean, it still sucks. It is a tragedy. But yeah. you imagine how much worse that would have been if John Denver was on that. Yeah, if NASA killed John Denver. Can you imagine the conspiracy theories we would get out oh, of that no. shit? Could you imagine they, how big his songs were would have been though? Like they're big I mean, his now. His songs but are already huge. Like, like think this, about it. Oh man, can you imagine playing Country Roads to the Challenger taking off and then exploding? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have a whole Great. different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> The next one we're going to get is D. Snyder. Uh, now, D. Snyder is the front man for Twisted Sister. As we know, we've seen, you know, some of his work. The song of Twisted Sisters that's on the Filthy 15 is We're Not Gonna Take It. That's the music video they showed earlier in the uh, hearing. Again, it's like the least offensive song you could have chosen to put on there. So wait, they showed the music video during the hearing? Yes, yeah, after they showed uh, Hot for Teacher. Oh, shit, did I skip that part? Uh, After the the album covers, they showed two uh, music videos. They showed Hot for Teacher by Van Halen and We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. Do they have any, like, audience uh, video? They had a huge audience, like, overpacked the Senate here, like, the Senate, uh, does it, the hearing room. Does it show how many people are, like, rocking to it? No, I couldn't. I couldn't find that part of the hearing. Um, I, I really couldn't find any of the like PMRC's part of the hearing. I could only find the transcripts because it's like officially in like Congress's transcripts because this was an official hearing. So like, I I had to I had to describe all that based on like the t- transcript I read. But they showed those two music videos and. For those of you who aren't aware, Hot for Teacher is a Van Halen song. The music video is about some little dweeb. He goes to school, like, he's concerned and freaking out about it. It's, like, half black and white. And then he gets this new teacher, and she ends up being, like, really hot. She comes out, and she dances in front of, like, everyone in, like, like, not overly risque, but, like, a pretty revealing bikini. But she's also got, like, a sash that says, I don't know, Hot for Teacher on it, I think. It's very, like, it It seems very much like the swimsuit uh, competition in a Miss America pageant. Yeah. Uh, it is weird that she's dancing in front of children, but, like, also, whatever. Like, but they show that one. But what if and they I were think, trans, King? What if they were trans? Yeah, what if they were drag queens? Oh, no. Yeah. Um. But you can kind of see, like, it's the same shit now, like... People freaking out about, like, very... Like, they didn't freak out that much about that. It was just a small part of this hearing. Van Halen isn't even in, on the Filthy 15. But, like, they show that video to try to drum up some, like, anger. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, It's, it's the same shit now like... where they're like, Look at this drag queen performing in front of kids. It's just like, it, who gives a shit? That video wasn't bad, like, at all. Like, I don't, like... 
trying to convince anybody like in that video like I, I don't know that I, that one also this this song was actually good like I did not mind the song I'm I'm not a huge fan of Van Halen but yeah the the song's fine the music video's not that big a deal yeah and then the second one is we're not going to take it by Twisted Sister now Mike you did actually watch it for this week right yeah I watched it a couple times while um while I was on break at work. Yeah, uh, so they show that one to, like, talk about how, like, awful it is that they're, like, attacking daddy throughout the song. It's just, like, the dad's a huge asshole. And, he, like, all the violence that's done to him is very cartoonish. Like, like yeah. he, go, he goes flying out of a window. He, he, like, sits up and he's, like wobbly-headed like you're expecting the Tweety Birds like flapping around his head like yeah, it's or, very like, much the like Looney Tunes it's... yeah which which was what D. Snyder wanted um but they talk about this like it's like a grotesque violation of like parental rights by like abusing the father in such a way like look at that look at how they're attacking daddy and it's really weird that they say daddy it had a different meaning then I don't think daddy was used that way back in the 80s no, in, in uh, I mean, like, I'm sure there was people who used it that way, but, like, in this context, it's, like, yeah. infantilizing the whole thing, like, because it's, like, a child calling them daddy. It's just, it's fucking weird. But also, like, again, Twisted Sister is, like, so, so not offensive. Like, I'm surprised they didn't go after D. Snyder for wearing, like, a palette's worth of makeup to look like a, kind of like a drag queen. Well, they were yeah. okay with that at the time. Were they okay with that at the time? Like, not drag I mean, queens, but like guys wearing that stuff. Depends on the circle. Um, it's a little satanic to me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure there was plenty of people who uh, had some uh, slurs to call D. Snyder for it, but um, yeah, they overall like they weren't that upset about like his performance attire. More just like he was beating up a, f a parental figure, um, which, yeah, like people are going to like resent like authoritarian figures that are assholes, and that dad is a huge asshole. So you got to stick it to the man, man. You know exactly. I kind of wish that actor got more work because he seems like he would be just a fantastic '80s villain, just like chewing the scenery like so like over the top and shit like it seems like he would have been fun but whatever he may not have been like an actual good actor perhaps not uh or or like he could have had something in his personal life that like you know like made him a persona non grata or he could have just you know not been lucky but uh anyways so yeah now they're calling d snyder and before we like uh, we've got a couple of uh short clips for this one uh, the main one is just, or, or the one we're starting with is just D. Snyder coming in because, like, he apparently didn't own a suit, and he only found out a few days before this that, like, they wanted him to, like, present himself. Uh, so I don't blame him for, like, not looking the part of, like, a suit and tie and all that, but he does come out looking, like, exactly like their fears. Like, he's got, he's got jeans on, he's got a, a denim vest, uh... I'll just show you the clip. Um, so he's got like big shades on. His hair is massive. 
And he's got, like, a cut-off shirt underneath the vest, so he, like, takes the vest off, and it's just, like, a, like, no sleeves, like, sun's out, guns out for the hearing. So just, uh, start that at the beginning, just, just so you can take a look at him. You only need a couple of seconds. Like, he looks great. Yeah. (laughs) Pulling out his little paper. Yeah, and, and, like, to his credit, he only had a couple of days, and he came up with a pretty good opening statement. And he, he conducted himself very well for this. Like, like we've, we've seen quite a few, like, people have to talk in front of, like, Congress or, like, uh, in a press release, like, in recent years, who have just, like, done horrible. Like, if Kamala Harris had to go up here and present herself, she would not come off looking nearly as good as D. Snyder does. In no, this. like, he is very, when we get to that part of him, like, speaking, he is very articulate. He does yeah. a really good job. He looks really And cool. also, like, when mm-hmm. they, like, ask him questions and, like, start, like, interrogating him, he holds up to their questioning just as well. Uh, so the first clip is at uh, 105. Before I get into that, I'd like to tell the committee a little bit about myself. I'm 30 years old. I'm married. I have a three-year-old son. I was born and raised a Christian, and I still adhere to those principles. Believe it or not, I do not drink, I do not smoke, and I do not do drugs. I do play in and write the songs for a rock and roll band named Twisted Sister that is classified as heavy metal. And I pride myself on writing songs that are consistent with my above-mentioned beliefs. There are many facets to this complex issue, and time does not permit me to address all of them. However, my feelings are expressed for the most part by the August 8, 1985 letter to the Parents Music Resource Center from Mr. Stanley Gordikoff, President of the Recording Industry Association of America. This letter was a formal response to the PMRC's petition of the RIAA. The only part of this document I do not support is Mr. Gordikoff's unnecessary and unfortunate decision to agree to a so-called generic label on some selected records. In my opinion, this should be retracted. Since I seem to be the only person addressing this committee today who has been a direct target of accusations from the presumably responsible PMRC, I would like to use this occasion to speak on a more personal note and show just how unfair the whole concept of lyrical interpretation and judgment can be and how many times this can amount to little more than character assassination. I have taken the liberty of distributing to you material and lyrics pertaining to these accusations. There were three attacks in particular which I would like to address. Accusation number one. This attack was contained in an article written by Tipper Gore, which was given the form of a full page in my hometown newspaper on Long Island. In this article, Ms. Gore claimed that one of my songs, Under the Blade, had lyrics encouraging sadomasochism, bondage, and rape. The lyrics she quoted have absolutely nothing to do with these topics. On the contrary, the words in question are about surgery and the fear that it instills in people. Furthermore, the reader of this article is led to believe that the three lines she quotes go together in the song, when as you can see from reading the lyrics, the first two lines she cites are an edited phrase from the second verse, and the third line is a misquote of a line from the chorus. That the writer could misquote me is curious, since we make it a point to print all our lyrics on the inner sleeve of every album. 
actually did kind of hurt his career because him coming out and saying, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, I am a Christian, like, did kind of hurt his appeal to certain Heavy members metalers. of his fans. Dude, yeah. who, who's the guy, who's the old guy that they showed? Is who, is that like... That was one of the senators. Uh, I can't remember which one. I don't think that was Rockefeller. That might have been Waters. Yeah, he was like, he looked so confused at the, him talking. He was like... Bro, I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was like me. He's like, he expected him to sound like a Neanderthal. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, it, what? it it does seem like he expected him to just be like stoned out of his mind and like mumble through like a, a you shouldn't bend my music my like. But but he he doesn't. He comes off. He comes out ready. What what's weird about like this hearing? I don't know how much more we're gonna listen to of his. But he talks about their song under the knife, like. Under the blade, under the blade, and it's interesting that that one's not. I mean, it's still their song. We're not going to take it being in the filthy fifteen. Still weird to me. Yeah, like overall, their their band is like fairly soft. Like I mean, like nothing against it, but it's just like there's not like there's really not much you can like bite at as far as like hard lyrics. Now, Under the Blade kind of makes more sense to be on here. Not that's a if you're lot. like looking into it that way. And that's, he mentions that as like, if you're looking for something that you were trying to find that's not actually there, you're going to find it. I believe that's the next clip. Let's see here. Yeah, so uh, the next clip is at 350. As the creator of Under the Blade, I can say categorically that the only sadomasochism, bondage, and rape in this song is in the mind of Ms. Gore. So he says, as the creator of the song, I can tell you any references to sadomasochism, bondage, and rape, like, are in the mind of Tipper Gore. Which is just, you know, BOO! (laughs) Yeah, all of, everyone pretty much that has been speaking against this have had just like a mic drop or like whatever like, it, with like at with least Frank. one yeah at least one or so yeah and they do a good job at it yeah yeah it's his point is so good though because it's even now if you like want to see something if you want to make something bad you're going to find something to make it bad it's also why the internet's bad and why ai is going to be bad and yeah, I'm, I'm gonna okay. keep saying I'm gonna keep bringing that up as, as uh, episodes go on. When we get overthrown and everybody's uh, all the human race is led by me because I uh, I saw it coming. I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I support our AI overlords in case of the <laughs> oncoming. Uh, <laughs> what, what, a, what a pansy dude where well, you gotta fight them you don't don't get on their side plug me into the matrix if you have to no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> uh, i'm solder certified i'll fuck a robot up <laughs> king's on my side oh yeah me and king are lead we're we're leading our own little uh militia it's gonna be awesome yeah uh and then uh, in 30 years, I'm going to go back in time and fuck myself to produce the uh, ultimate leader. 
and then my child will da, da, end up da, killing da, da. you to take over the to take to take over. <laughs> okay, whatever. So the next clip is at a uh, fifteen seventeen. Got it queued up. King, I, no, no I, reiter- I reiterate again. We need to start making movies. <laughs> but what, oh, dude? We're we're on the wrong thing. Well, I, I I mean, I think we're decent at podcasting, but it sounds like we're coming up with good movies. We might need to like all in this. Yeah, that's what I want to see in a movie, is me fucking a younger version of me. That, that, uh, dude, I can guarantee you there's an audience for that. Yeah, but I've met them, and I don't want them. <laughs> Alright, 15-17, you guys good to go? Senator Gore. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Excuse me, are you going to tell me you're a big fan of my music as well? <laughs> no, I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan I'm of your sorry, music. I'm sorry, Mr. Gore. I, uh, I'm, I'm aware that uh, Frank Zappa and John Denver uh, cover quite a spectrum, and I do uh, enjoy them both. I am, am not, however, a fan of Twisted Sister, and uh, I will okay. readily uh, say that. Mr. Snyder, uh, what is the name of your fan club? The fan club is called the SMF Friends of Twisted Sister. And uh, what does SMF uh, stand for when it's uh, spelled out? It stands for the Sick Motherfucking Friends of Twisted Sister. Is this uh, also a Christian group? Uh, I don't believe that profanity has anything to do with Christianity. Thank you. I just recently re-watched this clip uh, today. I was like, oh yeah. It gave me a chuckle while listening to it again because it was, you Yeah, because, like, D plays the crowd a little bit. Uh, like, Al Gore, like... Before Zappa and before uh, John Denver, like he was like, "Oh, I'm actually a big fan of your work." But uh, to D. Snyder, he's just like getting ready to start. So D's just like, "Hey, are you gonna say you're a big fan of my work?" He's like, "No, no." <laughs> and then he's like, I- "I'm a fan of theirs. I'm not a fan of yours." And he's like, "That's okay." <laughs> so, so he gets him twice, and now Gore interrogates him for minutes about uh, the lyrics. To under the blade and like what it actually means it it's not very good like he tries to paint him into a corner and d snyder's able to just like you know olay him every time uh because he's like so you got yeah. a fan club huh yeah so yeah he does start off with like so you got a fan club called the smf friends of twisted sister and he's like yeah that's right the sick motherfucking friends of twisted sister and he's like uh, are they a Christian group too? And he's like, profanity's got nothing to do with Christianity. Boom! Like, Which Snyder is- just racks up points against Al Gore because Al Gore comes off as like one of the lamest ducks uh, imaginable. Like, it's he's just not impressive at all in this. Yeah, he's kind of a dweeb for sure. <laughs> yeah. And he goes on to interrogate him about the, uh, under the knife, or, uh, is it under the blade? Yeah, it's under the blade. Right. The under the blade lyrics. Basically arguing back and forth about, like, whether the song's about sadomasochism or the fear of surgery. And, uh, and, like, he tries to be like, but you don't talk about hospitals. He's like, yeah, it's a song. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, literal. Like... And Al Gore's like, yeah, all right. He just doesn't have an imagination. He can't, 
He can't grasp that if it's oh, no. not like just Al given Gore to him. Al Gore has an imagination. He has an imagination that it's sadomasochism, not about a well, surgery. No, 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 no. That's no, he, his wife. He didn't Sorry. imagine that. Yeah, he. That's not none of his. None of Sorry. these thoughts are his own original thoughts. Yeah, uh, it's it's like it's all just it, it. It all comes off as to me like pretty pathetic. Like you're you're trying to like argue about like what a song's about with the person who created the song. Like that's just like. A very silly thing to do. Very much so. All right, um, so I was the last Al, clip. Al, sorry, Go I was ahead. just gonna say Al Gore is kind of a cuck. <laughs> for him so to, the last for clip him starts to, uh, at twenty five fifty nine. For him to that, have crea- for him to create the internet, he's not very open to internety things. Yeah, is this a bit that he created the internet? No, it's. Like, it was a it was, woman that made the internet, or she made a computer. It the the thing about Al Gore creating the internet was kind of like a uncharitable misinterpretation of his quote. Like he said something like, "I was on the team that like did whatever." Like he didn't create the internet, but like he was in a committee or something that like enhanced it or whatever, and like. So people started mocking him as like, I'm Al Gore, I created the internet. Gotcha. And just like Elon Musk created the electric car. Something like that, yeah. What uh what timestamp am I going to? Twenty five fifty eight. You can kinda of tell where to go to because you can see where the most traffic is on the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, so go ahead and play that. The vehemence with which you attacked um uh Senator Gore's wife. I detected sort of a defensiveness some, somehow on your part, uh, sort of a lack of unsureness of where you uh, stand in this. Why, would, why did you feel it necessary to attribute uh, some of the qualities to her that you did? Why, why was that important to your testimony? First of all, I wasn't attacking Senator Gore's wife. I was attacking a member of the PMRC. Okay, I was two... Senator Gore's wife by name. Oh, her name is Tipper Gore, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I didn't say the senator's wife. I said Tipper Gore. Okay. Secondly, defensive. I've been working very hard. I believe in the music I play. I believe we have a very bad reputation. I've been doing a lot on my part to try and say, hey, this isn't a bad thing. This is fun. This is fantasy. Kids are coming out. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're letting out their emotions. And they're going home. And they're feeling better because they let out a lot of their frustrations. I, as I said, I pride myself on writing lyrics that are not offensive and that are saying something positive. Most of my songs are about personal freedom. And when somebody tells me, after all I've done to, to fight against sexism, that I've got a shirt with a spread eagle woman, or it says, to fight what? All I've done to fight sexism. We don't, we steer clear. The whole Twisted Sisters thing is a very ambiguous. Guys wearing makeup, we don't, ca- we don't act like women, we act like men. We don't cater to the males or females in the audience. It's just one audience. So when someone says there's a song about sadomasochism and bondage, or someone says we're not going to take it, is violent lyrical content, which is what it's been rated for. Yes, I'm defensive. Yes, that gets me angry. I'm trying to get adults to see that heavy metal is not totally a bad thing. Sounds good. He's very, uh, like, everything that he said was actually very, um, like, like, forward thinking and not misogynistic and like even the way that he like um 
like how he spoke about Tipper Gore, he was speaking to her like a person, like an own individual rather than Senator Gore's wife. It's like she's more than that. She's this member. Like I think yeah, that and kid- she's here in a professional capacity lobbying for the PMRC. Like he's not talking to her because she's the wife of a senator. He's talking to her because she's a lobbyist for a group that's against him. Like he's. He like out of these two people, it's the senator that's being the misogynist. He's like, yeah. "Oh, you talk bad about his wife." Yeah, it, it, it's like it. It shows that he has respect for her as not just a woman, but as a person. And like, uh, like, I, I don't think any of the, any of those men in there probably see that. But like, you know, real like regular good people do. Yeah, and like on, on he was talking about how like I. I assume he was mean, like going to like a Twisted Sister show. Like they're all a group of people together experiencing the mu- music together. That's kind of like how I feel when I go to like metal concerts, regardless of lyrical content or whatever the band is. I'm there with the crowd of people, and we're all there just to enjoy the music together. I mean, sometimes there's people that piss me off because they're doing dumb shit, but we're all still there as a group, and we like, and we're there just to experience the music together. Yeah, and most of the time at a metal concert, like, if everyone's moshing but someone falls, like, the others will pick them up. Like, they they tend to take care of their own and, like, uh, expel the bad actors. Yeah, of, of course. Um, even crowd surfing sucks. I, 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 it's, it's fun. Being at the front of, like, a show, dealing with the crowd surfers... Big pain in the ass. I it, but I it's part of the show and it it's still part of the fun. At the end of the day, when I get home, like I had a great time. I'm glad I went to see this. And I'm glad I got to experience this with a group of people, especially with how I am being around groups of people most of the time. And I have like I'm socially anxious most of the time, but being at like a concert that it, I I'm just kind of tangenting about. Just I enjoy going to concerts and regardless of whatever it is it's still a fun time basically he's saying that concerts are a spiritual thing for him and that it it makes him feel wonderful yeah uh we'll go with that i mean pretty much yes all right so so after d snyder's (laughs) testimony uh they've got like the vice president for the national pta comes on they say some boilerplate uh stuff about you know like oh the occult and drugs and alcohol and everything uh which i don't know if you guys noticed this like there's a like drugs and alcohol and violence and uh sex like have you noticed they don't bring up country pretty much ever like no like, there are so many country movie, music, there's so many country music songs that, like, involve, like, a cold beer, uh, like, a hot lady, and, like, uh, or, like, shooting your enemy, <laughs> like. Yeah. I wonder if like, it's not, a, I wonder if his country just wasn't as polarizing as, like, rock music and stuff. Well, That's what they might claim, but Gore is a senator from Tennessee, and Tipper Gore is from, or, like, is his wife a tennessee senator they can't go after nashville oh yeah, oh, yeah. that is true yeah they can't but, go after country music that they, they would just they would be done yeah 
what was that? I, I watched, it was an Oprah Winfrey episode from like the 90s and it had Tipper Gore on it along with like Ice T. Yep. And like, it, it was pretty much the same thing as like someone like, I, I forgot who all was there, but like there was someone like, there's like, if I wrote this, if someone wrote the song that like, if Ice T wrote this song about suicide and all that. Oh, it was, or, uh, like, it was uh, uh, Osmond. Donnie yeah. Osmond, yeah, and he was, he was just talking about like if someone like who was a who appears to be like negative in the culture wrote a so did a song about suicide that it would be just classified as a bad or like a negative song, but if someone who's like positive in like the music society wrote a song about like suicide, like oh they're like a champion pretty much, and yeah, I, I think the actual quote was if uh, like if whoever had written the song. It would be an outrage if Donny Osmond wrote a song about suicide. It would be a fact of life, right? Yes, that's what it was. And he brings up a good point. Like there is like certain stigmas that like people like the PMRC were targeting, like they and ignoring like the other people that did like similar things. If they you know had a certain personality or like persona i guess um so they get the national pta on then they get um they get a couple of expert witnesses and the expert witnesses are full of shit uh so like one they get is uh dr joe stussy uh stussy i i don't know how else to say it it's s-t-u-e-s-s-y stussy i'm pretty sure that's stussy i'm sticking with stussy yeah, uh, so he spoke about, uh, like, he, he's a music professor at the University of Texas at San, San Antonio, and he argued that heavy metal was different from earlier forms of music like jazz and rock and roll because it was quote-unquote church music, and has, as one of its core elements, the element of hatred. <laughs> he should not be a music professor if that's how he looks at at music like it's, just, it's crazy like how i mean religious music's fine i listen to some religious bands but like if you're basing how music should be primarily off of like how good or if it has that basis of hate sounding in it for whatever reason just you just don't like it just just <laughs> just say that that's really what this all comes down to is like this is music you don't like and you want other people to like have to deal with your opinion like like sure like i i'm sure at the beginning the pmrc was like at least somewhat well-intentioned like hey like we need to be careful about what our kids are listening to like we should let other parents know like there are certain albums and songs that like don't like that don't like straightforwardly tell you it's going to be offensive and then you listen to it and you get exposed to it whether you want it or not but like really it's just like this is music i don't like because it's like vulgar as like instead of like is it morally wrong or is it just vulgar right and it's it's crazy it's i I think it all it all comes back to like people want their opinions to be validated so they put their opinions out there and 
they they want other like-minded people and they're like oh let's do this it's the same thing with like why there's so much internet hate and twitter and everything like oh i I want my opinion to be validated by others that like i did this crappy thing or i think this way am i okay but a lot of people don't understand like everybody has opinions and it's healthy to have opinions but your opinion doesn't matter none of our opinions really matter about anything like Stop thinking that you matter. That's the problem. <laughs> None of us matter. All right, let's not get too nihilistic. So uh, that ends the official testimony. Like I said, the record company had already re- pretty much agreed to put those stickers on. So by November, they had started putting them on. But between 1986 and 1989, only like 49 albums had received the sticker because like every record company didn't really know like what was and wasn't like and they all just kind of like had to decide uh ice t gets um uh his album i think it's called uh rhyme pays or rhyme does pay um it got the first one for a hip-hop album um and this like things kind of continued on and then uh and then certain uh like what um zappa and uh d snyder were really afraid of was like this will cause legislation and it did like uh the san antonio mayor uh tried to make laws about um live concerts like you would have to have like a parental warning about like concerts and shit uh or like you would have to like be censored in doing that uh certain states started passing legislation about um censoring certain things and to Tipper Gore and the PMRC's credit, when the like states started legislating, they rushed to the sides of the, of the musicians actually, and convinced the governors to veto those laws because that would be censorship. Where all they wanted was a sticker and like a heads up for parents. Yeah, uh, and then um, sometime in the nineties, I think like nineteen ninety six, Walmart just stopped selling any records with a parental advisory sticker on it. And because Walmart was so huge, like that, like that was a big market. So like a lot of record companies had to start creating like clean albums or like edited albums to sell them in Walmart. But Walmart just was like, yeah, we're not selling any of those. Like we're a family friendly store. That's run, run on slave labor. Yeah. Um, and I think Best Buy did something similar for a time. I don't think they continue to do it, but I. I mean, who the fuck buys their music at Best Buy anymore? <laughs> or I, really anything. <laughs> I've bought my CDs, the few that I've bought from Barnes & Noble. Well, yeah. that's because there's only like one place to buy stuff now in the town that you're from. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, true. Yeah, and so uh, after all this went down, in 1988, Al Gore tried to run for president. He was defeated in the primaries, and George H.W. Bush would end up becoming the 41st president. Hell yeah. Uh, But what the Gores found during their campaigning was that while Hollywood and the entertainment industry had previously been pretty open to donating to Democratic candidates, like the, like, you know, like, liberal Hollywood, like, tends to go for the Democrats over the Republicans, uh, they were far colder to the Gores after all the bad press, the shaming, and the outrage. So, like, they were just like, no, like, look at what you did. Because, like, this entire time, like, the people that, like, were on the side of Tipper Gore were, like, evangelicals and, like, 
Republicans and shit. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that was also brought up in the Oprah episode. She like they were telling her like this is coming up in like conservative groups, and she's like, "I'm a Democratic liberal or whatever." Yeah, and just she just wasn't getting it. Like whatever you're saying doesn't matter because it's appealing to these groups that are agree with your ideas essentially. Yeah, and that's one of the big things that, like, really makes me fucking hate liberals is because they, like, they will always give concessions to the conservative side and make none to the people that are, like, further to the left of them. Like, you're basically just becoming, like, light Republicans when you do shit, like, complain about, like, music and want to hearing about, like, offensive lyrics. Like, that is playing straight into the evangelicals hand and at this point like the year before 1984 reagan was so dominant in the uh presidential election he swept all but i think one state like so democrats were like oh we need to like get these conservatives back let's do some conservative shit it's like no like cut them off and like you you can't compromise by like conceding to them before the compromise starts you know like, you can't negotiate by, like, conceding immediately and then being like, okay, can we come back from that? They're going to be like, no, this is the new starting point. Well, I think that's, uh, this is a bigger conversation, but uh, there shouldn't be Democrats and Republicans because most people's opinions interlay with both sides and there shouldn't be two. Oh, the enlightened centralist. I'm not a, I, I don't know if I'm a centralist or not, but I think it's I think it's stupid that you think like you can't like that you don't think that you have an opinion that the other side has, and then eventually like down the road years down, you probably do. But that's just me. This is what so, I think. It's my opinion, and my opinion doesn't matter. Congratulations. Uh, so this whole campaign like ended up being very rough for Tipper Gore, and she pretty much had to stay muted during Gore's uh, later political ventures. Like, she just kind of had to, like, kind of, like, lay low for the rest of them because, like, she had this sudden toxicity to her presence. Because, she had that like, Karen to her. That, that right? Karen <laughs> mentality is just set on her for this entire time now. I don't know yeah. if that's still the same way with her, but... Well, since since this whole thing, like, she has become a much, uh, like, better advocate for, or, well, in my opinion, she's chosen much more worthwhile areas to uh, advo- advocate for. Like, um, she, she became very outspoken about, like, her own issues with depression and, like, mental illness. She, her son was hit by a car in 1989, and he survived, but it was, like, a very harrowing thing that, like really made them reflect on, like, what they were actually doing. Uh, so she started working on, like, homeless advocacy, mental health awareness, and destigmatization, and, like, trying to work, uh, like, advocate so that, um, like, insurance companies would, like, also cover mental health, like, necessities and not just physical health. Uh, so she, she's she's done a lot um, of like I would say better things uh, right since this but she did have this period that like ended up being very ugly <laughs> and and it's like so weird because like this seems like something that a like 
quote-unquote Washington wife should focus on. Like, it's not, like, inherently political. It's not inherently, like, like, she wasn't trying for legislation, allegedly, you know, like, she just wanted, like, she, she was advocating for, like, kids in a way. Like, I wouldn't say it was the most effective way, but, like, that was her goal, at least. Um, and, like, like people found her like leading this PMRC thing as like emasculating to Al Gore because his wife was actually doing something and not just like sitting at home inventing the internet. Yeah. Or whatever. Like she, she, she wasn't just being a stay at home mom. She was out there and she was like, you know, like, uh, debating, um, musicians in public like uh, like uh, on tv and stuff like she was out there like advocating and stuff and so like they were like oh she like does stuff she's not just like a trophy wife that's like where are your balls isn't al gore the one that was like he he was he his part of his platform was like for like climate change issues Al, Al Gore became very big on uh, climate change. That's why he made that mo- that documentary, uh, Inconvenient Truth, and everything. Uh, I mean, that was. After- I guess he kind of did something at yeah. some point. Al Gore's just like super fucking lame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he, he he's got some cuck behavior to me. Like if you if you watch like the hearings and like him like you know he's kind of brown nosing zapping John Denver and like. Even when, like, he, like, tries to, like, I guess, stand up against D. Snyder, he comes off looking very, like, just pathetic, sort of. Like, it's, it's just, it's not a good look. It's kind of like when someone who can, like, articulate against Ben Shapiro, when they get a chance to talk to him, like, he, Ben Shapiro, like, shuts down, kind of, sort of, like, when someone actually can articulate and have that conversation that he's trying to just bulldoze through and be an asshole about yeah um a lot of those grifters that like debate me bro types like they tend to like their tactic tends to only be like i have some like quote-unquote facts and then i'm also just gonna throw whatever else out there and like unless you can like get me to shut up and like say your own thing like i'm going to destroy you yeah, like, like he, if you can't get me to stop talking, you're 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 fucked essentially. But right. But anyways, that is uh, yeah, that's the um, PMRC hearing uh, when uh, Senate went after Porn Rock. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I, I mean I can't believe that they just didn't learn from 1984's Footloose that kids are gonna dance and listen to music no matter what. You know, like, you know, what, the PMRC, or is that what it's called? Yeah, the PMRC was, like, founded in 83. You know they watched the amazing Footloose movie with Kevin Bacon, and they were all swooned over him, and they were like, oh, yeah, and then they they still decided to go forward. You knew it wasn't going to do anything. They're still going to listen. They're still going to rock. But my opinion on it is, like, we're still seeing it today, just not at congressional hearings you just see it on our quote-unquote news networks whatever you know talk show hosts complaining about certain songs like Cardi B's WAP sure um Lil Nas X's several like a couple songs like every song he does yeah pretty much and it's 
it's just a continuing cycle. It's just as of right now, it's not an actually in any congressional hearings anymore because I guess we'd have that parental advisory label and anything that's online has like it is age gated if it needs to be age gated. They just want their opinions validated, like I said earlier. They just they, they want to feel like they belong, like they they have some type of power, but your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, and instead of like complaining about rock music like twisting the kids' minds, they're freaking out about pizza basements that don't exist or fucking trans or, or like drag daycares or whatever like it's just it's it's all the same like moral panic horse shit and it's gonna continue for fucking ever uh, the big one right now going on about free speech i mean it regardless of hating or liking tiktok there there's been those congressional hearings with one of the guys from that i don't think he's the ceo or anything i think he's just a part a member of some part of the group with tiktok no he was the ceo yeah, I, I, that's right. I wasn't yeah. super sure. Yeah, the uh, uh, the Malaysian guy that they kept on claiming was like the Chinese. like a member of the CP, yeah, uh, the CCP or, the, or whatever. No, I think I, I think it's uh the Chinese uh no the Communist Party of China. Yeah. Yes, it, it's we're just it it and then it's TikTok for the most part. That's where a lot of at least kids younger than us young, like our the generation below us they're they're using that for their free speech i mean obviously there's an algorithm to it and you're gonna see things if you follow that algorithm i mean i i know personally because i <laughs> look at the shit um but if i were to look at the proper things i would see like all the free speech stuff and all the news about it and it didn't I, I don't know. It's we're in a weird information age. I would say still. Well, we're, yeah, we're, one we're of the big always. moral panics about it is like, oh, the Chinese are stealing our data. It's like, yeah, we fucking do that. Like with yeah, every app, but they're Chinese. They're <laughs> and evil also, what are they whatever. gonna do with it? Like, <laughs> oh, they they found out he he likes watching girls on trampolines. We can use this against him. Oh no, he looks at thirst traps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking write that down, write that down. <laughs> that, that's how they're going to influence That shit's us. important. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's all very, very stupid. But, but it, it's never, the thing is, it's it's never going to stop, especially no. with how our society is. Unless we move to a more of like a Star Trek-ish society to where like we're all on one plane and equal and stuff. That goes back to... Uh, Okay, anyway, yeah, unless we go to like something like that, if it's polarizing, if it's new, if it's something that people can get upset about, we're going like there's going to be these conversations forever. Like it's not going to stop in, in, in any time. Star Trek society. Ruben's going to call him a communist again. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, uh, I, I would I would much prefer a Star Trek society to Star Wars. I do like Star Wars more, but dude. Living in the Star Wars universe, that would be rough for yeah. most people. Okay, yeah. I don't, I All don't right. want my life to be rough. Fair. All right, so uh, we've been talking for two hours. God knows what it's going to be after we edit this down. But uh, Kevin, let's go ahead and get out of here. Um, go ahead and do the plugs. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with us 
and especially Mike. I know he is exhausting to listen to. But uh, you can catch us for more on Twitter on Twitter at what underscore we underscore consume and on Instagram at what we consume podcast. I am on Twitter at King Hagathor. Other than that, bye bye. <laughs>